This is the Ag Queen Podcast. This podcast explores the agriculture industry with the movers and shakers of those shaping it. Here's your host, Lori Boyer. We welcome everyone to the show here today. I want to introduce my guests. I think this is going to be a really interesting conversation. Arlen Preblood joins me. He is a founder and executive director of an organization called We Don't Waste. And so we're going to find out all about that organization based in Colorado and the things that you're working on. Arlen, let's talk about that first, and then I want to find out a little bit more about you and your background. But I think it'll be helpful if you familiarize us a little bit more with the organization so we know what we're talking about. Again, it's called We Don't Waste. So tell me more about you. Be happy to, Lori, and thank you for having me. Uh, We Don't Waste is a a nonprofit, Colorado nonprofit. We're headquartered in Denver, Colorado. I founded it back in uh, 2008. And uh, we began operating as a nonprofit in 2009. And what we do is we recover all the unused food from venues such as all the sports venues, the convention center, hotels, producers, warehouses, warehouses, uh, manufacturers, and the like. So uh, you may know that 40% of the food that we produce in this country is wasted and it never gets to the table and it's never consumed. So we look to recover all that nutritious food, and then we take it and we distribute it to about 160 community-based agencies all along the Front Range and in the metropolitan Denver area. Uh, They are basically either food banks, they're uh, congregant feeding sites, uh, there are, uh, as I said, food banks and other facilities that provide food to those who are less fortunate. So that's, in a nutshell, what we do, and uh, this is our, let's see, it's we're in our uh, 13th year, so we've been around quite a while. Fantastic. I'm going to come back to that and ask you a few more questions on that, but how did you get started with this organization and with this idea in general? Sure. Uh, <clears throat> well, I practiced law for a good many years, and uh, in 2008, we were hit with a recession. And at that point in my life, I didn't want to fight the recession. I wanted to do something. I still wanted to work. I had volunteered at a number of uh, nonprofits throughout the city, and many of them were in the uh, uh, position where they were providing food to their clients. But they were struggling because, you know, there was a shortage of money. And when there's a shortage of money, uh, things dry up. And they were having trouble feeding their, their, their clients. So as a foodie, my wife and I would be out uh, eating. And after a while, I started asking the people that I knew in the restaurant industry. I said, what do you do with the food at the end of the night that, that you don't sell? You know, you have three pans of lasagna that for some reason didn't sell. And they said, well, we try to donate it, but we're not very successful. We end up throwing it away. Well, chefs and cooks hate to throw good food away. So I, uh, over a period of time, I said, would you donate this food? They said, sure. And then I went back to the agencies that I knew. And I said, if I was able to provide you with nutritious food at no cost, would you take it? And of course, they were very accepting. So it took me about six to eight months to figure out how to really do this with some kind of a business plan. And in September of 2009, I started picking up food in a 
not a Volkswagen or not a, a, a Volvo station wagon. And I put the seats down, got a tarp, and start calling on caterers because caterers at that time were a good uh, opportunity for me because if you know anything about the catering business, if you're doing a party for 250 people, they provide food for 275, and invariably all 250 don't show up. So they have all this extra food. So I talked to them, and they agreed to take what they didn't plate and put out back to their commissaries. They put it in aluminum foil pans, covered it, refrigerated it, wrote on what it was, and then I picked it up. And that's how I started back in 2009. Are there any... Um, health standards or anything you have to follow in picking up and providing this food? Sure. That's a good question, Lori. First of all, all of our staff are uh, certified by the National Restaurant Association. So they take a course on food safety. They know how to handle food. They know what to determine whether the food is good, the temperature and all those factors. And quite honestly, there's no one that regulates us, but we regulate ourselves and we're covered by the Good Samaritan Act, which provides that so long as our provider does everything reasonably necessary to protect that food, there's no liability. And in the 13 so years that I've been involved with this organization, we've never had a complaint of any type. And we we, uh, computerize everything. So everything we pick up goes through a computer system. So if there's a recall, for instance, then we can check back on our deliveries and our pickups to see if the product that we picked up and distributed is on a recall. And if it is, then we notify the recipient agency to take the appropriate steps with anything that's on recall. So we were successful that way, and we continue to be very successful with it. And there are no... Since we're donating food and picking it up, we rely on the people that we pick it up from to follow the guidelines that they're required to to follow. Arlen, can you kind of explain how the process looks right now as far as the amount of vans or vehicles that pick up the food and how you kind of organize that for deliveries and how that all just kind of works? Sure. When we started out, uh, I didn't have an office. I didn't have uh, any storage. And as we grew, I went from a Volvo to a uh, Econovan that had 180,000 miles on it. So I'd pick up food uh, daily, and at that time I had to deliver it out the same day because I had no ability to hold it. And eventually uh, <clears throat> we moved uh, into an office on uh, 35th and, and uh, Walnut, close to uh, Coors Field. And again, we didn't have any storage, but we did have a refrigerated vehicle. Uh, at that time, we had a 14-foot refrigerated truck. Now we have four refrigerated trucks and a van, and we've retired the uh, Volvo, and we've retired the uh, the old van. So we pick up food in those. We pick up food from about 160 food donors throughout the metropolitan Denver area. And as I said, we distribute out to community-based agencies. In November of 2017, we moved into our own facility. We have an 11,000-square-foot distribution center that contains 1,000 square feet of cooler space and about uh, 650 square feet of uh, freezer space. So when we pick up product, 
some product goes right from the point where we pick it up to an agency, or it may come back to us. We store it. If it needs refrigeration, we put it in the refrigeration, and that's all computerized, and we know on a daily basis exactly what's in the warehouse and what has to go out and how quickly we have to turn the product that we get. So that's how we were today. We need more space. Do you feel like you have enough food right now? Are you delivering enough? Is there more need? Sure, there's always a need. And I, I can just give you some examples of what we experienced. You know, we went through the entire COVID pandemic, which is still, unfortunately, visiting with us. But during that period of time, we had to uh, make sure that all of our employees were properly clothed and we were inundated with food because all the places that we normally pick up food, like you take all the venues, all the sports venues and the hotels and the convention center, they have all this food in their refrigeration, but no place and nobody to serve it to because everything was shut down. So they called us and said, can you recover all this food? So we had all that food. And it took us a while to work through the food. And then we struggled with the supply chain because the purveyors and the people that were producing food didn't really know how much food they should produce because they didn't know what was going to be available to pick up that food and sell it to and who was going to, what restaurants were going to open, which uh, venues would be stay closed or which would open. So we worked really hard to maintain a constant supply of food. And we actually we picked up uh, more food manufacturers and distributors Today, the demand continues to increase because, unfortunately, the pandemic is still with us, but also the recession, the inflation is increasing, and that means that people that are most vulnerable are impacted by that factor because they just don't have enough money to go to the store and and purchase the food that they need. You know, we're experiencing an inflation factor somewhere between 6 and 8%. And if you're on a fixed income or you're dependent upon food stamps, uh, it wreaks havoc with people because they just don't have any additional income that they can spend besides putting gas in their car, paying their rent, paying utilities, and they struggle to put food on the table. So we're faced with an increased demand. And with that, we have, uh, we've hired people that have the responsibility of going out and finding more food for us to distribute. So it's a constant uh, battle, so to speak, that we continue to find more opportunities to get food, and we unfortunately have to turn around and provide food to more people. Uh, As an example, in the first quarter, our numbers were up over 2021, first quarter, by 145%. That means we had a tremendous increase of demand that we had to meet. How many employees do you have? Currently, we have 20 employees. Okay. And volunteers? Do you have volunteers still too? Or Absolutely. We, we Right now, we're running about uh, 750 volunteers oh. a year. Wow. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> As we use them to uh, work with us in sorting food that we bring in. They also, we operate uh, six to eight mobile food markets each month. And they help us in the setup and the distribution of food to uh, mobile food markets around the metropolitan Denver area. 
when you were talking about inflation, a question came to mind or my assumption uh, is that you as an organization are probably also struggling and feeling some of those pains, just the cost of fuel to pick up the food and deliver it. You're, you're absolutely correct. I mean, everything that the economy suffers with is impacted with a, not only us, but all nonprofits. So as an example, when we were paying $3.40 for a gallon of, of fuel, now it's up over $4.50 a gallon. So that, that really hits us hard. And I should mention to you, Lori, and your listeners, that we don't charge to pick up the food from any food donor, and we don't charge the recipient agencies for the food that we provide them. So they generally have a budget that allows them to go out and buy food. But when we supplement their, their organizations with food, that's money that is saved for them, and they can turn around and save on their budgets and use that money in different areas. So we're dependent upon individual donors, foundations, and corporations to assist us in our finances so that we continue to operate day in and day out. Also with your organization, it would seem to me that you kind of serve as maybe even a poster child, I guess, if you will, um, kind of something that other organizations to look to in other cities and other areas so that they can also not only feed people who need it, but not waste food. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, going back to 2008, when I first started, uh, food insecurity was not a common phrase that you saw in the newspaper or on television. Today, unfortunately, it's within our constant use that there's food insecurity. And there weren't a number of agencies like myself, and we don't waste back in 2008 and 2009. Uh, we've helped establish uh, organizations similar to ours in cities around the country, and more and more cities are looking to this as a real problem and doing something to assist those who are less fortunate in their communities. But we're the largest food recoverer in the state of Colorado. Okay. So there are other cities that are doing maybe something similar then? That's right. Okay. All right. And then I just kind of wanted to talk just in general. It seems like one of the things that the U.S. Department of Agriculture and other agencies talk about a lot is food waste in this country being such a big issue. Obviously, this is one way to resolve that. Do you talk to lawmakers and decision makers on a larger level about food waste and what you're doing and, you know, even provide your expertise in that area? We, we do. And we participate in local and statewide uh, organizations and policymakers trying to encourage them to pass legislation that enhances the ability for food donors to donate food. And that, that includes people all the way down to the farmer through the process so that they can receive tax credits for any food that they do donate, which is really an important part of the whole scheme. There's also an issue of uh, what does the food look like? Because unfortunately, we're a country where everything has to look perfect, you know? I'll give you one quick example. We get a, a lot of bell peppers, and bell peppers come in three basic colors, red, green, and yellow. And the... the person, the organization we deal with, they have to grade those peppers and provide them to the supermarkets, right? Most bell peppers come with four chambers. If there's a three-chamber bell pepper, it's destined for the landfill. Now, 
since we began working with them, it no longer goes to the landfill. So we get those bell peppers. We get the bell pepper that's yellow that has too much green in it or a green one that has too much red in it. But they're, if you take a four pepper bell pepper and a three pepper bell pepper and chop them up, you can't tell the difference if it has three chambers or four chambers. But we as the purchasing public want everything to be perfect. We want the carrot to be straight. We want the cucumber not to have any bumps on it. Well, you know as well as I do that a broken or a curved carrot tastes the same as a straight carrot. You just have to overcome some of these problems that we're experiencing. Thank you for sharing that. That really is a good example. That kind of puts the whole thing in perspective. Arlen, what else would you like to mention or say that I haven't asked about? Well, first of all, I, I want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk to your listening audience. But the important thing is that, unfortunately, most of the waste of food that occurs in this country occurs in the home. Mm-hmm. So people should take a moment, buy what they need, but use what they buy. Because unfortunately, we as shoppers, we go to the supermarket and we load up that basket and we take it home, we put it away. I'll give you one quick example. Uh, You may want to have steaks and there's two of you in the family. So you go to the store and they come three to a package. You take that home, you unwrap the package, you put two on the grill and you take that third one and you wrap it up saran wrap around it then you put foil in it you put it in your freezer and everything's fine you enjoy those steaks and a couple weeks later you decide to have steaks again you go to the store and you buy three you cook two and put that third one away you forgot that you already had one in the freezer and it never gets used so people at at home and we have you can go to our website we don't waste.org and we have a program called food audits where you can sign up to have your Uh, family on a food audit and we'll provide you with information and the necessary information to take a food audit to see just how much food you're wasting in your household. And I think that's a benefit to all of us. And I think that's a great reminder. I mean, I'm guilty of buying the salad in a bag, Mm -hmm. not getting to it right away. And before I know it, it's bad. And not only did I waste food, I wasted money. You wasted money and you wasted all the resources that went to make that lettuce, the water, the ground, transportation and everything. Yeah. Again, thank you for that. (laughs) That's really good perspective. I've learned a lot from you today, Arlen. Thank you so much for your time and for joining me. Well, it's been my pleasure, Lori, and I appreciate the questions you've asked, but I hope that uh, your listening audience can benefit from your questions and my answers. And it's wedontwaste.org, right? Correct. Once again, my guest here today is Arlen. Once again, my guest, Once again, my guest here today is Arlen Preblood. He is the founder and executive director of We Don't Waste. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Ag Queen Podcast with your host, Lori Boyer. 